So, yeah, be the center, Jesus, in our lives and in your church. Just, I love the, the verse, the song, a couple before that, just, if you gave your life to love them, so will I. And that's, that's basically it, guys. <laughs> Pretty much just stop there. <laughs> so if, if four endings wasn't enough, you know, last weekend, <laughs> obviously there's more. So uh, bear with me. Um, I just feel like there's some stuff like Monday that really God was stirring in my heart to, to share with you guys, and I don't, I mean, that's just it. I just, I feel like there's this thing, this awesome thing that he was showing me uh, that kind of punctuates what I shared last week about his heart, and I just want to share it with you guys. So uh, what happened was I was working, and I, I listened to the entire Del Tackett presentation up at the Big Sky Worldview Forum, and so for you guys who saw that or listened to that, um, there's going to be some overlap, but just so you guys know, they post that stuff on their website, and that one is is definitely worth listening to. There's four sessions, so it's, it's good, but um, last week, just to refresh our memories, we looked at how God is always doing something far better than we imagine. That the fulfillment of his prophecy was very different from what God's people imagined, but it was way, way better. Right? And then Jesus, the bridegroom warrior king, did not deliver them from Rome, but from death itself. And God, in his infinite wisdom, kept this plan a mystery to all his creation so that he could defeat the devil using the devil's own evil plans against him. And from eternity past, God is exercising all of his omniscience, his omnipotence, his power, his, his wisdom, his knowledge to turn those evil plans into something that's the best thing that ever happened to us, to the human race. So this is your king. This is your God, and uh, trust him. So we're going to just look at, um, just super quick, I'm gonna, you don't have to turn there, Matthew 4, uh, we read that last week about, you know, this is the fulfillment of Isaiah's prophecy, and it's, it's saying, uh, Jesus, leaving Nazareth, he came and settled in Capernaum, which is by the sea in the region of Zebulun and Naphtali. This was to fulfill what was spoken through Isaiah the prophet, the land of Zebulon, the land of Naphtali, by the way of the sea, beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles. The people who were sitting in darkness saw a great light. And on those who were sitting in the land in the shadow of death, upon them a light dawned. So if this is like the sunrise, it's the dawn of God's light, his Revelation, his uncovering something about himself to mankind. You know, God the Son walking by, you know, in Galilee. Like, this is like just watching the sunrise, and it's the dawn. And if that's the dawn, uh, what we're going to look at today is the crucifixion. That is like midday, 
full-blown revelation of God to man. It's the summation, like Del Tackett was talking about the, the crown jewel of God's character and his nature being that he is love. And we're going to look at that today. Uh, if you want to turn to Luke 23, that's where we're just going to camp, and then I'm just going to go from there. Luke 23, starting in verse 33. When they came to the place called the skull, there they crucified him, and the criminals, one on the right and the other on the left. But Jesus was saying, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they are doing. And they cast lots, dividing up his garments among themselves. And the people stood by looking on, and even the rulers were sneering at him, saying, He saved others, let him save himself. This is the Christ of God, his chosen one. The soldiers also mocked him, coming up to him, offering him sour wine and saying, If you are the king of the Jews, save yourselves, or save yourself. Now this, uh, there was an inscription above him saying, This is the king of the Jews. And one of the criminals who were hanged there was hurling abuse at him, saying, Are you not the Christ? Save yourself and us. But the other answered and rebuking him said, Do you not even fear God, since you are under the same sentence of condemnation? And we indeed are suffering justly for what we are receiving, for we are receiving what we deserve for our deeds, but this man has done nothing wrong. And he was saying, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Jesus said to him, Truly I say to you, today you shall be with me in paradise. And he said to him, Wow, I just read that. It was now about the sixth hour, and the darkness fell over the whole land until the ninth hour, because the sun was obscured, and the veil of the temple was torn in two. And Jesus, crying out with a loud voice, said, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. And having said this, he breathed his last. Now when... The centurion saw what had happened. He began praising God, saying, Certainly this man was innocent. And other places it says he also said, like, This truly was the Son of God. And all the crowds who came together for the spectacle, when they observed what had happened, they began to return beating their breasts. So the death of Jesus... God tore the veil in the temple, you know, signifying that we have free access to him through his sacrifice. But it's also like God the Father is just tearing this curtain, this veil, open so that we can see really, really clearly who he is. Like his heart, his nature. And what, if, if you were to sum up God, he's like, here it is. You know, like, here I am. So what does love look like, it's Jesus nailed to the cross, right? And I'm going to probably just go ahead and just condense my nine pages of notes into just a few minutes here. So you're welcome. We'll find out. <laughs> oh, man. So what we have here, you know, God's revealing his nature to us, to mankind. This is the fullness of who he is. The arms wide open. He's arms wide open, nailed to a cross. And he's saying to those who are murdering him, Father, 
forgive them. Like he's seeking the undoing of the sin that they're committing right there. Like he's, he's like, oh, Father, just hold them back from, like, I want these guys to be saved. I want them to experience your life and not the death that they so deserve. And, like, this is as they're murdering him, and he is innocent at that point. I mean, he's the son of God, like, spotless lamb of God. And the gist of it is, like, God is saying, you know, this, if this is the crown jewel of who I am, and this is the clearest, brightest light that expresses who I am, this is the place in all of history where this is the most clear you're going to see who I am, is my son, my innocent son, hanging on a cross, saying, Father, forgive them. And, you know, if, if you can sum up, if the crown jewel is God is love, if you can sum up his nature and his attributes in that three-letter phrase from 1 John 4.8, God is love, what are we destined for? Like, what does Romans 8 say? You know, we're predestined. Like, our destiny is to be conformed to his image, Right? If his image is summed up in love, and this is the clearest expression of his love, well, <laughs> you know, we're destined to, to die in a sense. Like that, that phrase from that song, if you gave your life to love them, so will I. And I'm not saying we're going to atone for the sins of anyone. Don't get me wrong, but our culture... Like, what I see, and I love that you shared that, Lance, like, man, like, we are in a spiritual battle. We've been talking about that with Ephesians 6 last week, before. Kenny's been talking about it. Like, there is a kingdom of darkness, right, that we are in. And, man, I just see, like, our culture is so dark, though, like, I love that they were wanting to come here, and I do really believe that there is a light shining out of the United States that because it's like we're, there's still vestiges of the light of Christ shining out from our culture. Like our culture was based on that. And yes, the kingdom of darkness is like trying to attack it, trying to tear it down as best it can, and they're succeeding in some areas, you know, we all know this, uh, but that dark, I do see like a darkness in our culture. Uh, it's, you could sum it up in, in selfishness, like this kingdom of darkness. It's just living for ourselves. So we're going to just look at like what it means for us to bear the image of Christ in laying down our lives for our culture. Because our culture desperately needs to see the light. Right? And Jesus, like, we're his body. He's the head. We're his body. We're his imagers. And so he's given us this, this opportunity, this task. And he doesn't need us to do it, but he's chosen to work through us to do this thing where, like, we're the light in the world. And it's him shining through us. And that light is going to look a lot like the cross, in our lives, it's going to look like our arms wide open saying, Father, forgive them as we're being wronged. That is 
the light that our culture needs to see. Like, in some respects, I think our culture is as dark as Africa. Like, in, in the sense that, like, our neighbors, if they don't know Jesus, they do not know what love is. They really don't. Our culture is horrible at defining love. They, ha- they may think they know what love is, but they really don't. Like, our culture is just baptized into this darkness of just living for self. No one else is going to look out for me. I better do it, right? Like, it's all about what can I get from you to just enhance my agenda, my um, script, as Del Tackett was saying. Like, it's all about just, well, what can I get from you? So, you know, my relationship with you is really just only going to be as good as I can get something from you. And that's what we're born in. I mean, that's how I grew up. Like, it's just, that's the, <laughs> the culture, the, the heart, at least, I mean, maybe I'm wrong. Does this make sense? Like, <laughs> uh, like that we're born into. And, uh, you know, people out there, and you can, uh, if you're like me, you can remember when you did live like that. Like, yeah, I like you, you're my friend, because I can get stuff from you, or, you know, you make me feel good about myself. It's all about, it all comes back to me being the center, not, obviously, Jesus being the center. So, I can remember living that way, and our culture, our neighbors, are in that place, and so they just look at it, and they're like, well, everyone's that way, right? You know, like, they just kind of project that onto everyone around them, and for the most part, they're probably right. So this selfishness is what, like, to me, that is the darkness. That is the, the veil that's over everyone's hearts. And I'm not just talking, like, our culture in a vague way. I love, like, Del Tackett was talking about, it just comes down to your neighbor. Like, love your neighbor. Like, your literal neighbor. Like, the people who live in the vicinity around you. And the people that you have contact with, like, God's not asking some huge thing. He's just like, no, just love the people that are in your life. Like, I may, you know, he may call us to go and to Nepal or something like that, sure. But for the brunt of us, he's like, no, you just be the light where you're at and just bear fruit where you're at. And what that looks like to a culture that's so steeped in selfishness like, if that's the darkness, like, the light is going to be the unselfish act. That's going to shine very bright. And it gets brighter the more unselfish it is. So, how can I say this? It's... Like, the more the light is attacked, the brighter it becomes. So with Jesus, he's up there. He is the light. The more they mock him, the more they beat him, the more they sneer at him, the more they try and take from him, the brighter he shines because it just frustrates them to no end. they the more they do that, the, the more they see they're not actually taking anything from him. Like, it reveals that Jesus, like, he is 
free. They can't touch him in that sense. Yes, they can hurt his body. They can kill his body, but they can't touch him, his spirit. And it's the same way with us. Like, Jesus is the most free man who ever walked the earth, right? As far as, like, he was not in bondage. He was not in that bondage of selfishness. And what happens with that selfishness, like, we just get so fixated on stuff in our lives and just like, oh, I just, we're chasing after all this stuff and we're not free. Like, it says in Hebrews 2 that uh, Jesus set us free from being under the bondage of the fear of death when he rendered Satan powerless. Like, Satan, the king of the uh, kingdom of darkness, you know, he's, he's using that fear of death, that fear of loss. Like, you know, we're, our culture is like just grasping at stuff. And, and he's like, well, what if you lose that? You know, he's the one whispering in our culture's ear, like, man, what if you lose your friend? Oh, no. Like, or what if you lose your possession number one, two, or three, you know, like what if you lose your money, your status, your position? What if you lose your health, your life? So he's using that, uh, he has like hooks in that. When we're clinging to stuff, it gives him access to manipulate you. And uh, kind of talking in circles, and I know that, but if you'll just bear with me, so Jesus was the most free man who walked the earth. He was not caught up in any of that, right? So he wasn't subject to the fear of death. Like Jesus wasn't walking around going, like, oh, I just, I'm afraid I might die. You know, I'm afraid of losing this or that. You know, fill in the blank. He just wasn't. Under that bondage, he was very free. Uh, his spirit was free. And he used his freedom to love. Like, he didn't just say, ah, oh, I'm so free. This is awesome. I have, I'm happy. I'm going to go live my life the way I want to. No, he's like, I'm going to use that freedom, that liberty to lay down my life. And... Uh, that is what he's calling us to. Like what we looked at last week with um, Jesus defeating the powers of darkness and using their own plans against them to do it, like his brilliance in that, it's the same thing here. Like he is setting us free. He has set us free. He's wanting to share the freedom that he has the freedom that people saw in him when he was walking on this earth, that's what he wants you to experience. That's what he wants you to become and live like now. And using, like, he's calling us to use that freedom, not for our own pursuits, but to love and lay down our lives for our neighbor, for our culture. And that is the brightest light that they will see. They're governed by the fear of death by loss and fearing that loss and that selfishness, 
all that stuff. So the thing that's going to be the greatest light to a culture like that is the utterly self-giving, just willful laying down your life for them because the more they attack you, they're just like, this guy has, what is he doing? Like, he's not being selfish. Like, he has nothing to gain from this. He has, in fact, he's losing everything right now so that he can do good to me. That's the, that's the light. Like, that is the, just the, you know, beam of light that's going to shine out of your life uh, to those people around you when you start laying down your life like that out of a true heart to, to do good to them. And it, it might be, like, it is going to be sharing the gospel, but it could just be other stuff, too. I'm talking about, like, an all-inclusive, like, if they really need some help, like, just, you know, help them. Like, put down what you're doing and help them. And, you know, God is going to present those opportunities to us, and he's going to bring that stuff along. And it's like, instead of seeing those as like, ah, oh, dang it, like, I wish, I just want to go do something else right now, you know? When our neighbor asks something or when they need something, you know, and it's like, oh, I just want to not help them right now. You know, like, instead of looking at that at it that way, just, I want to, I think God is, like, saying, look at that as an opportunity. Like, he probably brought them to you so that you could be that light. Like, he's bringing, in the same way he allowed the darkness to attack his son so that it could be defeated. He's, he's bringing darkness, like he's bringing these people who are in the kingdom of darkness to the light, which is his body, the church, so that it can be set free, so the bondage can be destroyed, so that the kingdom of darkness can be dismantled. Like, he's bringing them to us. So, does that make sense? Okay, yeah. so, and, you know, it might be, and I think increasingly it will mean that we are going to suffer, like righteous suffering for their sake. That is the image of Jesus. That is where we're headed, I believe. So it, it's actually good news. Like, not to your flesh, but who cares about your flesh, right? That's, I mean, your flesh is like screaming already. Like, like I don't want to die. And it's like, well, sorry, you're actually already dead, so... You know, I'm not going to listen to you, right? Like, reckon your old man dead. Like, you are not under bondage anymore. You're not under the bondage of the fear of death. You are not under the bondage of the fear of losing stuff in your life. Like, God has set you free, and he's bringing you into greater and greater freedom so that you can lay down your life. And that is, like, the best thing that could happen for you, like, I know, like, again, your flesh doesn't think so, but your flesh, frankly, just needs to stay dead. And it got you into all the trouble that you've ever gotten into in your whole life. So why listen to it? You know, like, uh, your spirit, the true you, who you will be when you are raised from the dead, the real you, the new man in Christ, like, it is utter, like, just pure life to your spirit, to your true man, your, your new man, to give. You know, what does Jesus say? Like, it's better to give than to receive. 
It's, it's actually going to bring you life to lay down your life. And I hope I'm communicating this okay, but it's like, you know, if our culture of darkness is bound up in all of that, do you, do you see, like, how us literally bearing the, the image of Jesus dying on a cross is, like, the only way that they're going to see what true love looks like? Is that, yeah. is that coming across, like, that is the solution. That is what our culture needs. That's what your neighbor needs. So it may be you just, you know, uh, bearing your cross to go help them, and it may be like that they actually start sneering at you, or they actually start poking at you, or verbally assaulting you, or physically assaulting you. So do you see like how we need to experience the freedom of Jesus so that when that happens, especially like physical persecution and verbal persecution happens, that we don't get flustered. Like, Jesus didn't get flustered. So I, you know, I, just this happened in my own life uh, a couple weeks ago. Someone, like, who I've witnessed to in the past, he knows where I am, and he just, he just laid into me verbally. Uh, on the job, and I was like, I got flustered <laughs> because I, I'm not there yet. Like, I'm not saying, like, Jesus isn't saying that you need to be there right now immediately, 100%, bam, you're perfect. But we have a lot of opportunity to practice, right, and to grow. So, like, if one thing abounds in this life, it's we're, we get wronged a lot, right? So we have a lot of opportunity to practice this. And so, like, I got flustered because I was like, ah, that's not true. Like, you're, what you're saying is a lie, and ah, just, oh, my goodness. I just, oh, I started to get, like, kind of tense, and I wanted to do things, and, and I was like, no. So, I, you know, like, it was a wrestle. It was a battle, and it's like, I need to grow more. I need to experience the freedom of Jesus more in my life. So that when that stuff happens, I'm free enough. I'm, I'm not clinging to my reputation because that's kind of where I was at. I was like, man, this guy is ruining my reputation. Like he's talking about me and bad things and their lies. And, and it's like, yeah, well, maybe, I mean, not that it's bad to care about your reputation, but like maybe you need to let go of some stuff, Hans. Yeah, okay. Yeah, you're right. You know, like at least in that moment, like to be free enough not bound up by a fear of loss in my life so that when people start taking stuff from me, I freak out. So it's like, ah, oh, we need to get to that place of freedom so that when that happens, we can actually just take hold of the opportunity to be Jesus to that person. Because like, just like what we read there in Luke 23, like, People saw that. They saw this innocent man, like, suffering in the way that he did. Like, when he's saying, like, Father, forgive them. That's, like he says in John, like, that's when he's going to draw all men to himself. And that's, that's that really, really bright light. And it's like this holy ground where it's like, 
This is the heart of God. This is the holy of holies. You're seeing it. Like, you need to, like, this, it's almost like take off your shoes. That's why the centurion is like, whew, that man is the son of God. Like, he is innocent. Like, and then the people, like, just, it says they went away beating their breasts because they're just like, what did we just see? You know? So it's a privilege for us to bear that image to, like, to be the light bearers in that way. We get to walk with Jesus in that way. Like, that's a special thing. And it brings so much life to us. And it's like people in the, in the persecuted church, you know, I've shared this with some of you guys, like just recently in Romania, they're experiencing horrible persecution, and the American pastor talks to the Romanian, Romanian pastor, and he's like, oh, we're praying that you would be, you know, that communism would be lifted, that you would just be set free from all that, and he's like, no, 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 do not pray that. Like, thank you, brother, but no. Like, this is the most alive we have ever been or felt in our entire lives. And it's that, you know, it, it tends to, that suffering, that, that place brings us, it helps us be free. It helps us grow in freedom because it's like, well, <laughs> you know, like, you've got two choices. You can cling to your stuff and your life and be miserable, or you can have life and, and just say, yes, Jesus, like, you actually are the center of my life. Like, I am going to just lay all that stuff down and say, you know what? You have my life. You have my heart. You're what I want. I love you. You know, I am my beloved. He is mine. Like, that's where God is wanting to take his church. And the church, when we get there, like I, God does good work, right? So I think he's, he's very handy with his workmanship, and he will do it. Like, you know, what does Paul say? Like, I'm confident of this very thing, that he who began a work in you will perfect it until the day of Christ Jesus. So he's going to do this in us. We just need to say yes. And, like, it's indestructible. Like, he's making an indestructible bride, you know, like, you cannot, you cannot, be, you cannot lose and you cannot be destroyed when we get to that place of just having that kind of freedom. Because what can they take from us? What can they do? Like, who's going to bring a charge against God's elect? Well, they, they can try, but, like, God's the one that we're responsible to. So, and he says, not guilty. Like, you're clear. That's it. Like, there's nothing that they can do to you. There's nothing they can do to me. Like, God's supply is way deeper than the assaulter's ability to, like, take. Does that make sense? Like, Psalm 23, like we, you know, surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. Uh, right before that in verse 5, he says... Um, Thou dost prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies or my oppressors. 
thou hast anointed my head with oil, my cup overflows, or it's overflowing. Like, that's God's plan to destroy darkness. So it's that image of Jesus that in the midst of you being oppressed and wronged, you're saying, Father, forgive them. Like, I forgive you as you're wronging me. I forgive you because I want you to experience the freedom that I have. I want you to see the face of God in Christ through me. And he prepared, like, God is so good. Like, this is what I mean, like, his life, like, it is life to us when, when we're in that position. Like, he prepares a, a, a feast for you in that instance. Like, in the midst of your oppressors, in the midst of your enemies, he's preparing a banquet for you. And he's like, you know, it's not a physical one. It is a spiritual one, which is deeper and better than anything you've ever had physically. So, you know, he's, he's filling you up. Your, your cup will overflow. It's, that's what I mean. Like, the oppressors, they can try and take from you, but they can't touch anything of value. We're going to get new bodies. Yeah, whoo, right? Like, yes, we are going to get new bodies that are immortal and indestructible. So, yeah, I mean, I guess they can kill your body. Well, so their greatest weapon is to kill you. Your greatest weapon is to die. That is the the light that is going to draw all men to Jesus. That is what your neighbor needs to see. That's what our culture needs. That's what the United States needs to see, like, or under this darkness. They need to see people who are being wronged, but somehow their cup is still overflowing. They need to see people who are being wronged, but they're, like, free still. They need to see, like, does that make sense? So the more they attack and like like I said I mean it might be physical like I mean I the way certain groups of people in this country are acting like it could totally be physical <laughs> in the near future and uh, okay go tag 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 team stay, stay up here though. okay so I just want to jump in here because I think he's saying something that's so important for us to get. And I think, I think some of you guys are getting it. But Lance, I was thinking about what you were sharing again last night about Alex and uh, don't hug the kids too close, uh, you know, because your skin contacting their skin, you might get ringworm. Okay, uh, your, your hair, if your hair brushes up against theirs, you may get lice. Now, I don't know, when I say you may get lice, some of you are already, you know, you're going to be like <sighs> scratching your head because, you know, subconsciously we get that way. But I, I really feel like what's, what we need to do is get the application. So this week, this last week, has anybody offended you? Have you been offended at all this last week? Okay, so what I'm understanding Hans is saying is, is when he says all of the stuff, he's not talking necessarily about all of our earthly possessions like our car, our house, our uh, 
drums, guitars, whatever we may have, whatever we may look at, tools. Yeah, those things are those things come in there, but I think the problem is is if we put it all off on material possessions, we're missing the point. When when we get offended, it's an opportunity because wasn't Jesus offended? I don't know. I think if he's if he's hanging on the cross and he's saying, "Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do," maybe what Jesus wants us to do when we're offended is, "Father, forgive them." Right? Yeah. And so it's a matter of if we could go back to that picture of, of Weiss, is it sometimes we're having to hug people that we don't want to hug because we're afraid of what they got. But what he, what Hans is sharing with us this morning is, there is no fear. We have been set free. And so we don't have to fear those offenses any longer. Are we there yet? Probably not. But like you said, we have lots of opportunities to practice this coming week. And you may be the source of someone practicing. Yeah. All right, but I'm reminded that Jesus said offenses will come, but woe to those by which they come. Exactly, and so I don't want to be someone that's offending. I, I want to be someone who's helping the light of Christ in. And if the darkness that's in you you think is light, how great is that darkness? If you think that what you have in your <laughs> critical, opinionated attitude is light, then how great is that darkness? And so as we come to this table this morning, it's imperative that we get a hold of the fact that what Jesus is saying is... Um, and I want to read this to you because as Hans was speaking, it just like the Lord turned, turned this on for me. For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the same night in which he was betrayed took bread. On the same night that he was betrayed, he took bread. He wasn't surprised by the betrayal, amen? But wouldn't we be? Been, I've been in that situation a few times where I've been surprised by the betrayal. But Jesus wasn't surprised. He still took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take, eat, this is my body which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Do this in remembrance of me. Being all-inclusive, loving. It doesn't mean that everybody that Jesus loves is going to make it to heaven doesn't mean that everybody that takes advantage of you is going to turn and repent, but they still need to see the light of Christ. That's what you're saying, right? Yeah, like you, they have to see it so they can respond. And, and like in the book of Acts, it's like they either are going to stone you or they're going <laughs> to get saved. Like it's, it's like this polarizing revelation that's like, it's so great it is so much light that it either just makes them go crazy and they they want they pick up stones to kill you or they're like how can we be saved 
And then, you know, in the case of Saul of Tarsus, he's stoning, or he's there helping them stone Stephen, but he sees that light, and then he sees Jesus on the, you know, the road to Damascus. And so, like, even that is a seed that is not easily uh, forgotten. And he gets, he becomes Paul the Apostle. Amen. And so... It, it goes on to say, in the same manner, he also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. I need to be reminded of the price Jesus paid repeatedly, over and over and over again. I, I have to participate in this, so I remember that. But it it's... As he says, for as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. In, in your having the opportunity to be offended instead, saying, Lord, bless them. Help them, Jesus. Help them, Lord. And instead of responding with, with that offense, and maybe I could even take it a step further and say, who, who is a person that you know that has maybe, maybe they just always offend you? They have a lifestyle that's offensive. They have things about them. Their, their belief systems are offensive to you. How can you open up and allow the light of Christ to come through you? Not in an argumentative way, but just simply to say, Man, I, I see you are really committed to your belief systems. And I'm really committed to mine. And they'll probably pick on you and say all sorts of evil against you, but as long as it's for what you believe in Christ, count it all joy. If it's for your stance on the Republican Party, I don't know that you have anything eternal to claim. Therefore, it says, whoever eats this bread or drinks this cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of the body and the blood of the Lord. But let a man examine himself, and so let him eat of the bread and drink of the cup. And so I think it's a matter of being able to look back on the previous week or weeks and, and be able to say there's some places where I was offended where I needed to just let that go because that's not stuff I have to hold on to. That's stuff, God, that you can hold on to. I don't need to defend myself. I need you to defend me, Lord. And, and again, that doesn't mean that we shut down and we can't talk, but we need to realize that I've been looking at this scripture quite a bit here recently where it says, judge not and you will not be judged by the same measure you use. And a lot of people like to use that. They, they love to use judge not. But there's a problem is if you read through the rest of the story, it says, don't cast your pearls before swine. Gee, it sounds like I'm making a judgment call there. All right, and this isn't meant to be a, a complete teaching on this, but but and it says, and don't give what's holy to dogs. So there's a place where we need where we realize that we just need to back back away. That confrontation is not going to solve anything in this particular situation. And a lot of times what we're doing is, is we're simply casting what's holy before dogs. And it says to be careful lest they turn and tear you apart. Yeah. So he's, in other words, we need to use wisdom in those things. But 
as we examine ourselves, is there any place that where you've been offended this week, then, then bring that before the Lord and say, Lord, help me to see those things as opportunities for, for your life, for your bread to come forth. Help me to see those opportunities as your blood coming in. In other words, the light of Christ coming into those situations. It says, because for he who eats and drinks in an unworthy manner, eats and drinks judgment to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. For this reason, many are weak and sick among you, and many sleep. For if we would judge ourselves, we would not be judged. But when we are judged, we are chastened by the Lord that we may not be condemned with the world. Therefore, my brethren, when you come together to eat, wait for one another. Wait for one another. And, and so, a long time ago, I really love talking about not discerning the Lord's body. So as we come up here today, Hans has taught on the Lord's body. That the Lord's body of work was to hold his hands out in a prone position when we were all worthy of the wrath of God at that moment. Instead, Jesus is saying, Father... Don't pour out your wrath, pour out your forgiveness. And that's where we are when we come up here. And that's when we walk out of this building and when we go into every aspect of our lives that we fill this week, then let's take this with us so that the light of Christ is coming into those places where offenses will come repeatedly, right? And, and allow the body of Jesus to be remembered in those moments so that we realize what, what Hans was saying. We are the body. It's not that body, it's his body. That makes sense, right? So personal application, I don't know how you're going to apply it this week, but that's why we need the Holy Spirit. That's why we need the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, come. As we come to this table today, as we come to partake of the bread, as we partake of this juice, we're reminded that it's your body, it's your blood, it's in that place, Lord, that, that Hans has been sharing about this morning, where love has been put on display. The, the complete work of God is culminated in this thing that we see as the crucifixion of Jesus Christ. When the wrath of God should have been poured out on all mankind at that moment, instead, the forgiveness of God was ministered through your son. And so, Lord, it's in that place, Lord, that you would teach us to lay aside the things that we want to hold on to of this world and realizing that, Lord, we need to die to those things because you've set us free from this body of death. You've set us free from having to perform according to what the world expects, and you've brought us into your kingdom, and we get to walk according to your kingdom, rule and reign. Amen? Amen. So as... You'd be ready to come. To, Hans, is there anything else you want to add to that? One sentence. Just One sentence. Go for it. Yep. So just in way of application, the price of your neighbor's freedom is your comfort.
So just, yeah, the price, the cost of their potential salvation, their freedom in Christ is your comfort. So just, yeah, it becomes a lot easier to let go of stuff when you start meditating on where we're headed. Just the the freedom you have now that Jesus purchased for you and the freedom, the ultimate freedom that we're headed to soon, even if we live to be 120, that's pretty soon for all of us, young to old. So, I mean, Paul says, you have all things. Like, why are you worried about being of this guy or that guy? Like, giving you everything. 